Hi listeners, welcome back to Adopting the Podcast. As always, I'm so excited to be your host for this journey. I'm Nicole Witt, Executive Director of the Adoption Consultancy, where we guide pre-adoptive parents step-by-step through the adoption journey. In adopting the podcast, we're going to focus on the issues, questions, and concerns you have as you get started in your adoption journey. This is for people who are just considering adoption, brand new to adoption, or early in the process, who are just trying to kind of get their questions answered, figure out their best path forward, learn about what to expect and how the process works. In previous episodes, we've touched on one of the greatest fears of pre-adoptive parents, which is a match falling through, specifically matching with an expectant mom up until the baby is born and then her choosing to parent instead of placing the child for adoption. Now, very few pre-adoptive parents would begrudge her making that decision, but that doesn't make it hurt any less. And that's the piece we're going to focus on today. With a failed match, of course, there can be some financial loss and there's obviously time that has been lost and I'm not trying to discount those, but today we're going to focus on the emotional loss and how to best manage that. So to do so, I would like to welcome Catherine Roth. She's counselor and infant family specialist with Empowered Life. She is a licensed clinical social worker who has been providing therapeutic and support services to women, children, and families since 2009. Catherine began her career in child welfare by providing counseling and case management services to families with open child abuse and neglect cases. She switched gears to begin working at a nationwide domestic adoption agency specializing in open adoption as an adoption coordinator and birth parent intake counselor. In 2014, she began providing therapeutic services in a private practice to women and adoptive parents and families, and she continues to do so today. Again, currently, Catherine operates Empowered Life, a highly specialized practice providing women with counseling and adoption support services. Thank you so much for being here, Catherine. Hi, Nicole. Thanks so much for having me. Sure. Um, before we dig in, I want to lay the groundwork with a few key points that I think are important for everyone to understand. The first one is that failed matches don't happen nearly as often as people think that they do. You know, the numbers that you hear kicked around a lot, and there aren't any hard and fast statistics on this, but the numbers you hear kicked around is that it happens in the ballpark of about 30% of the time or so. That feels a little bit high to me. I think that includes all kinds of circumstances. You know, people who are working with disreputable sources, people who are meeting each other, you know, online, which certainly can work out very well sometimes, but does increase the risk of of fall throughs. You know, I would say with the reputable agencies and attorneys that I work with, it probably happens closer to the ballpark of 15% of the time. So it certainly does happen and it is a real risk of adoption. And I recognize that if it happens to you, it ha- it's happened a hundred percent of the time and you don't really care about the statistics, but just kind of heading into this, I want people to understand that it's not something that happens, you know, the majority of the time with adoptions. Also, if the adoption does fall through, it's almost always at the hospital after the baby has been born. It's extremely rare for an expectant mom who has made an adoption plan to change her mind on that during the course of the pregnancy. That does happen sometimes, but it's almost always after the birth. 
And, and the last key point I want to lead with is that today we are talking about honest changes of heart, right? We are not talking about people who are out there purposely trying to scam the system. We have covered that in another episode, which you can go back and listen to. But we are talking about a woman who gives birth, who is experiencing all those emotions and has an honest change of heart. And frankly, when that happens, she's often more surprised than anyone, right? So even though there are certainly, you know, things that we can look at and possible red flags and so on, you know, if she doesn't see it coming, it can be extremely difficult for anybody on the outside to kind of see it coming. So I just wanted to lay the groundwork with that. Um, with all of that said, Catherine, can you start with some general comments about the benefits of counseling for both expectant parents, birth parents, and adoptive parents? Sure. So benefits to counseling, I think there are just many. You know, first of all, you're working with someone who is, you know, non-judgmental and has a non-biased approach to services with you and is also removed from your situation. So they're really able to kind of guide you and give you that that therapeutic support um, from a place where, you know, again, they're really not involved in the situation, but if you to fully support you. And with that being said, you know, as it relates to counseling for adoptive parents, I think there's a great benefit as it relates to grief and loss for birth parents and adoptive parents, but specifically for adoptive parents who are coming into adoption process and then ready to experience some loss um, related to infertility. Mm-hmm. And they might have experienced, you know, loss um, related to miscarriage and even really that loss of that hope or dream or desire to have a biological child. And counseling is a place where that can really be unpacked and even just help with the grieving process, as well as to, you know, really simultaneously still address that piece as you're going through the adoption process. Because with any type of loss, you know, when we're grieving, it's ongoing. And so that's something that very much so can be triggered in the adoption process, you know, our past losses that we've had related to creating a family. And then in general too, that adoption process is very anxiety and stress provoking. And so having that support from a counselor can be really helpful and how to manage and cope with some of the stress and anxiety that comes up in this process. And then even looking to, you know, after, you know, you've had placement of your child and, you know, you have your little one in the home with you, there are other pieces that could really be helpful too in counseling, which would be, you know, working with a counselor on attachment and bonding with your child and even raising your adopted child and different considerations that might come up in your parenting. One that comes to mind that most often adopted parents, you know, wonder about or need some support in how to approach this topic is how and when to talk to your child about adoption Mm -hmm. and how to, to share with them their story. So those are all some benefits that I see for counseling for adoptive parents all across the board. Yeah, those, those are great points. And, and circling back to just one of them, and this is a little tangential and is probably worthy of a whole separate episode, um, <laughs> is that idea of um, grieving the loss up front. And like you said, it stays with you. It's not something like, okay, check, you know, I've grieved that and, and I'm, that's past me now. But I find that it's very important when people approach adoption that, you know, the people who are much more successful with it, both emotionally and, and in multiple other ways are people who kind of come to it with more of the attitude of, okay, everything that I went through, you know, with infertility treatment and so on, you know, that, that was terrible. Right. But, but that's behind me. That was the end of one chapter. I'm at the beginning of a new chapter and I'm really excited. And this is a totally different process that works, right. Versus the people who kind of come to it going, 
okay, well, nothing has worked so far. So adoption is just my next step of what I have to do. And this, you know, probably won't work either. You know, obviously they have a much more negative and and less successful experience with the whole process. So, you know, I do think that is so valuable to get that counseling help to be able to shift that mindset before you even start, you know, the adoption process. Yeah. I think it's really helpful to even be aware of that and, and that need that you might have before even starting the adoption process and even just checking in with yourself throughout the adoption process and keeping in mind that things might come up for you that are triggering and are bringing back up some of full force, some of those emotions and grief related to those past losses related to fertility and what have you. And so I think that's something to just for adoptive parents to keep in mind that it can be helpful at any point. Yeah, absolutely. So shifting towards talking about disrupted matches specifically, what have you seen to be as key factors when this happens? So what I've seen in some of the families that I've worked with and even, you know, expectant and birth parents that there's usually a shift or change in that birth parent support system, whether that is a family member or a friend, birth father, another loved one that, you know, is stepping forward or even really speaking with more, you know, commitment to saying that they're here and willing to support birth mom and parenting. And that can be a game changer for some birth parents because that was a piece of what was leading them to make this adoption plan and feeling that they weren't going to have anybody willing to support them. Or even sometimes their family has said, we will disown you, not speak to you. You can't live with us. If you do make this adoption plan and you, and you place this, you know, your child for adoption and here, you know, baby's born and she has a choice to make. That's pretty emotional and very you know difficult in the sense of if I do make this choice and this family is not going to speak to me anymore. That's a lot to take on. Or on the other end, like I said before, is that a family member, friend, you know, another loved one or birth father is stepping forward and saying, we're willing to commit to helping parent. And that could, like I said, be one that would be a big factor in changing her decision to place at that time. Yeah, for sure. Um, Another one that I tend to see is that, you know, some birth parents, you know, if they haven't gotten the option for counseling because they chose not to, or it wasn't, you know, given to them, but most, you know, reputable agencies do get that option for them. But also if they, you know, one way that they handle their emotions throughout this process is to suppress them. And, you know, again, grieving starts even from day one, this process for adoptive parents where that initial stage is denial. And denial is powerful and we can compartmentalize that and kind of put it in that imaginary box in the closet and not Mm -hmm. really take a look at it. And now here's this reality setting in baby's born baby's here and she can become very overwhelmed with these emotions and even just the reality of now this decision that I'm making it's, you know, here it is and it might be too difficult. And she might be in a place where, you know, she hasn't learned, you know, throughout that process or even really expected what would be coming at this time. And so just the overwhelming nature of it all can lead to a place of, I can't make this choice and decision, even though this is something I had initially planned for. And with that being said, you know, it's something that she no longer feels that is the right fit for her, right choice for her and for baby is to make that adoption plan. Right. And, you know, and that's something I've seen, you know, happen before. And then also even, you know, something I've seen come up is just that change in feeling like 
it's a good, you know, a good fit for her with the adoptive family that she's picked, you know, something that again, you know, having those, those high emotions that maybe haven't been processed, you know, throughout that process and just having some, again, part of grief is another stage is anger as resentment is self-blame is blame of others. I'll kind of go hand in hand in that stage. And so at that time, and that's coming up, you know, maybe around when baby's born is that this resentment or anger towards herself, that she isn't in a place to parent or that she's chosen this family to parent. And she's not in a place where she feels like I can go through with this and make this because again, those emotions are just too much. And so she's no longer feeling like the family is a good fit or is meeting the needs that she has and therefore no longer wants a place. And so to me, it's really related to the you know grief and loss and the emotions that go along with that. And how is that being tended to? And how are we, you know, working and supporting birth parents to have some anticipatory grief and loss, like education, mm-hmm. so that it isn't something that becomes so overwhelming and overpowering to a place where we're just wanting to be comforted, remove these unpleasant feelings and we're not, they're not comfortable. They're not enjoyable. And the thought, you know, of this loss, um, of placing baby is too much where again, women may decide to parent and feel like this is the, you know, this is what the only option is because I don't want to feel this way. Right. Right. It's a, it's very interesting take on it. I, I appreciate that. Are disruptive matches a significant part of the issues that you address with families? No, that's not, that's not the main focus. I would say that does come up in some of the clients, you know, that I've worked with, but I wouldn't say that's the main focus because as you mentioned earlier, it isn't something that is, uh, you know, very common. And in my opinion and, and experience, many adoptive families who have experienced like a disruption had been given some feedback or even some, you know, warning of things that might be changing or shifting by their adoption professional. And just like you said earlier, it doesn't mean that it doesn't bring hurt and pain. Again, not something that I see as being like the main focus. I'm working with families and counseling. Okay. So how do you guide families through the experience of a failed match? Really, I think starting with a place where you can create a space for them to process and tell their story. Because again, it's something that's had such a huge impact on them and even being able to identify what that has been Mm -hmm. and allowing them that space to kind of unpack that is where I like to begin. And then also even helping them recognize this as a loss and a loss is something that we will always grieve and how to really be on the lookout for what is coming up for them individually. Because again, even if they are together as a couple, you know, as adoptive parents, I'm seeing both of them individually will be experiencing this loss in their own way. That might be very different from one another. And so allowing them to see those differences, but also be supportive to one another and be supportive to themselves. And so in acknowledging that, you know, this is a loss that might be bringing up previous losses they've had, such as, you know, loss of, you know, you know, infertility, loss of to miscarriage, loss related to even what they hoped or thought would be their child. And then that drastically being changed in this disruption mm-hmm. and being aware of the fact that this could be triggering those other ones and understanding that's why this might feel so, so emotionally challenging and giving them even just a, you know, that ability to recognize what they're needing to help them through this loss. That might be taking a break from the process. That might be really making sure they're making time for self-care. That might be, you know, if they've gotten baby items, they might want to have that physical like reminder, something that 
is removed from their day-to-day site for a period of time, whether they store that away, give that to a friend or family member, donate it, you know, and also even just taking the time that they need from like their day-to-day. Maybe they need to take some space and time from work. Um, Maybe they need to, they have upcoming family events or upcoming friends baby shower that they need to give themselves like permission to not go to because again, right now they're needing to really comfort and take care of themselves and allow themselves to heal. Yeah. And that's a really important point that you make as far as if it is a couple who was adopting that they maybe are probably likely to be processing the loss differently. What are some of the the common emotions that individuals might be working through as they are processing a disrupted match? So some of the emotions that may be working through are anger, resentment, frustration. That could be directed towards the process itself, directed towards birth parents because they're changing their decision. Of course, there's going to be some sadness, loss of hope, worry, anxiety, fear. You know, will this ever happen for me? Will we ever find and, you know, and have our child? Will this ever, you know, go away, this pain that I'm feeling? And so those are some common, you know, emotions I'd see for adoptive families. And then even on the flip end too, working with birth parents, And their end, you know, I see them going through a lot of guilt and shame, feelings of worry and fear and sadness too, because they're also even thinking like, what do adoptive parents think of me? You know, do they hate me? And even a lot of times too, that loss of connection that the birth parents had with adopted parents, you know, through the whole match process, they were really, you know, as adopted parents there for them during a very difficult time in their life and might've been the only people, you know, fully supporting them or fully even excited about their pregnancy. And that's a loss on that end too, for birth parents. But I think with adoptive parents, it can be just this mixed bag of emotions. We tend to think, you know, emotions are very singular. We're only feeling one thing at a time, but with emotions and especially with this process and disruption, we can feeling so many things. And it feels like we're on this roller coaster ride that we feel like we're going crazy at times. Like when will I get off this ride? Right, right. I really appreciate you bringing that up about some of the emotions that the birth mom would be going through, because I think that's an aspect of this that people rarely consider. Mm. So I think you've already answered a lot of this next question, but let me just ask in case there's anything that you want to add in terms of top pieces of advice or guidance that you would give to a family that's dealing with this. Is there anything you want to add to what you've already said? Yeah, I think my top you know piece of advice would be that this pain and hurt won't last forever. You know, it's only temporary. And in time you will heal. And to really make sure you're taking that time to heal and recognizing what you're needing, just like I mentioned earlier, whether that's a break from the process to, you know, taking some time off from work, really diving into some self-care. And, you know, I think a big one too is to allow yourself to feel your feelings. You know, mm-hmm. it's human nature at times to try to avoid this because it's unpleasant, it's uncomfortable to feel that, you know, this way. And we have to, you know, allow ourselves to feel that or else we're going to get, we could get stuck in it or we could just avoid it and avoid it and avoid it. And it doesn't mean that we've addressed it. And I think that's a big piece of advice that I give to adoptive parents is to allow yourself to feel what you're feeling and just really do what you need to do to take care of yourself. That's great. And I, I think that, um, of course, working through all this with a counselor can really help in a lot of ways. But I think one of the ways kind of brings me to my next point about how having experienced a failed match can really impact the rest of their adoption journey. And, and from a logistical perspective, one of the things that I see a lot is that the adoptive parents will then avoid every case that 
looks like that failed case mm. on paper, right? And even mm-hmm. if that failed case was a really great opportunity and, and, you know, was, was really likely to go through with other opportunities that come up, they look at that and they go, Oh, those circumstances are too similar. That feels too scary. And they might end up avoiding a lot of great opportunities and maybe even gravitating to ones that, that are riskier or worse for them in some way, just because they're different than the one mm-hmm. that they experienced. How do you see going through a failed match kind of impacting the rest of their adoption journey? Exactly what you said is what I've seen too, is that, you know, that increase of like that worry and fear that adoptive parents have because of what they've gone through with that disruption and that tendency to want to avoid, as like you said, situations with similarities. And then I've even seen on the flip end where might even be trying to control more aspects, you know, mm-hmm. or what you think that you can control. Because really there's many things that we try to control, but really we can't. And that can come up because we're so hypersensitive to the, you know, an upcoming match or a situation that we are you know wanting to put our letter out for for a presentation. And we're wanting to control it by maybe staying in touch more with you know, the, the expectant parent during the process and checking in because we're needing that reassurance or we're needing to talk to our adoption professional more and more because we're wanting reassurance to help kind of taper some of that worry and fear and anxiety we're experiencing. We might even at times try to control or be heavily involved with like at the hospital setting because maybe that's where, you know, the disruption occurred the previous time. And so we have this notion where as adoptive parents where maybe we're throughout the whole time and we're really not giving that space for birth mom to identify her needs and, and having time one-on-one with a child. We have a fear that that might change her mind. And we've gone through that before. And so we're just looking for all these aspects to control when, and really it can actually be end up being self-sabotaging or really mm-hmm. prohibit us from making this deeper relationship and connection with birth mom and really end up having the same result, you know, as a result where maybe we don't get to have the experience or relationship we really wanted because we let some of those fears and worries take over. Yeah, I think those are all really important points. You've also mentioned about, you know, families thinking through what they need and do they need to take a break from the process or not? And I'm sure this is quite individual, but what is your recommendation, at least for things to consider um, if families are trying to decide, you know, should they take some time to grieve this loss before resuming their adoption journey or should they jump right back in? Some things I, I would recommend them to consider is one, where are they both at individually? Because I think that it's important for them to be make if they are a couple, to be making this decision and choice together, even if they may not both necessarily be in agreement, but one is feeling like I need some space, I would encourage both to to respect that because mm-hmm. it's being that united front is really helpful during a time like this. But also even considering where am I at like with my mindset? Where am I at emotionally? Am I in a mindset where, you know, the thought of being, you know, chosen right now feels like overwhelming and makes me feel like this is, you know, would be too much, or I would be, you know, very like on guard with my like interactions with birth mom, that's something to take a look at because that would be a sign to me that you might need a space, you might need a break. Or if you're at a place where it's popping up in your day-to-day, these thoughts and, and worries and sadness or feeling like this is not going to happen for you or just the memories of what you know this process was up until that disruption. And that to me also shows that you might need some space. You might need to allow yourself a break from that process. Or even what, you know, if you guys do decide that you want to continue to be presented, 
what are you doing in the meantime though, to simultaneously be taking care of yourself so that like, I know I keep mentioning self-care that looks different for everybody, but self-care can be anything from journaling to creating like a memory box to, you know, even getting outdoors, spending time with loved ones, you know, giving yourself space for like self-reflection or like soothing activities, like reading, taking a bath, you know, again, self-care is just very different for everybody, what it feels right for them. But how are you also doing that during this process, especially if you're ready to jump right back in right after a failed or disrupted adoption? Right, right. And this next point is something that you've alluded to, but I I think it's worth kind of discussing a little bit more explicitly. So again, obviously this experience is different for everyone, especially for those who have already grieved the loss of the concept of having a biological child. But I imagine it's even harder for those who have experienced other additional significant losses, such as miscarriage or even the stillbirth of a child. So can you talk about how their experience might be different here and and any advice you might have for someone, you know, who sort of falls into that category? I think that their experience can be different because it is more complex with having some additional losses that relate to family building and that dream and hope and desire that they have to start a family or to add to their family because they've gone through losses where that's already, you know, that's really they've ever experienced that at a high level. And that can come back up full force as if it just happened all over again when we experience a loss as of a similar nature, because it can trigger that to come mm-hmm. back to the forefront. And so they might be experiencing even more of a sense of hopelessness or even more of a sense of just sadness of this, you know, is this ever going to be for me? And it can really have a big impact just on their overall, like, you know, just mindset and psyche. And what I would encourage for, you know, adoptive parents that are experiencing this is to really take a look at like what they're going through and who are they, you know, who are they leaning on for support? Who are they able to talk to? And also even reminding themselves that this is, you know, this loss of this disrupted adoption is not the same as what you've gone through. This is a different experience. This is a different situation. Because I think we have a tendency, again, human nature, to bring in past experiences that have similarities or have made us feel the same way as if this is the same experience in the present as what we've already gone through. And it's not. It's different. And so I think focusing on the here and now and, and reminding yourself that this is, you know, these are not interconnected like experiences can help kind of differentiate the two. But I also encourage families that have gone through those you know, disrupted adoption who've had that past loss, what gives them comfort, what soothes them? Like, and how are they making sure again, that they're looking at this independently from past losses and not creating this, this mantra or narrative that it's, you know, their family that they desire to have is never going to be. Cause I think sometimes it can get really, it can feel like that it's Mm -hmm. coming up for them. Yeah, it's great. It's great advice. And my last question, and it might uh, wrap right into what you just said, but in case there's something different to add, I just want to give you that opportunity. Any other experiences that a family may have had in their past that might make management of a failed match different or more difficult than that of, of another type of family that might cause you to give some, some different advice for one situation versus another? 
I think it's taking a look at what's going on currently because everybody has different experiences that they're going through with work, with work stress, with family life. You know, an experience that I've had with families who have additional like stressors going mm-hmm. on around that same time or during that same time of that disruptive adoption that can add another layer. You know, if we're going through the feelings and the, you know, the fallout experience of a disruptive adoption while also dealing with work stress or dealing with, you know, loss of a job or loss of a family member, or, you know, here we are in, you know, still coming through this COVID time where that can add another layer of stress and anxiety. And so again, what other things are going on in your life that might be adding into some of the emotions that you're having right now? And how to be aware of that. And again, I think that it you know, really calls for adoptive parents to take a look at like if I'm having, you know, such a hard time, understandably so, with like where, you know, with where I'm at emotionally after this disruptive adaption. Are there other pieces or things in my life that I also need to still take a look at and tend to? And then also recognize that might be feeding into this because I think those other stressors really do have an impact. Yeah, I think that's really important to be aware of all of the aspects of what's going on in your life and how those are coming into play. Um, Well, Catherine, this has been really, really valuable advice. Um, I really appreciate you and and everything you do and how you help um, everyone involved in this process. So let me uh, say officially, thanks again to Catherine Roth, who is a counselor and infant family specialist with Empowered Life. You can contact her at an an and empoweredlife.org or by phone at 813-658-8071. Again, that's 813-658-8071. She also hosts a monthly drop-in support group for adoptive parents. It's free. It's online. It's usually the third Thursday of each month at 6 p.m. Eastern time for an hour. Um, so I really encourage you all to check that out. So again, listeners, most of all, I'd like to thank you for tuning in. I hope you've learned something today that will help you get through a difficult part of your adoption journey. If you do find yourself in this situation, please be good to yourselves. Take care and I'll catch you next time.